And it's great because you want to take pride in your newsletter. You want to feel like you're the best thing and everyone just wants you. But at the end of the day, it's not true. Yeah. Like, Welcome back to the Built in Public podcast, folks. Thanks again for returning to the show. This is episode eight. This is our four, our our forced two porter. Forced two parter. We did due to us talking too much. Actually, it's just it's frankly just due to us having too much information about this topic. But yeah, last week we talked about newsletter monetization in our past life at the agency we worked at and our experience doing it for nearly, well, for over half a decade. And we realized there's way too much stuff to talk about to condense in like a 20 to 30 minute podcast episode that I think we should be delivering. So this week we're going to be Get a little steamy. Live strip. (laughs) And talking about um, newsletter growth. Quickly, let's recap what we talked about last week. If you didn't listen, you can go back and listen to a more in-depth discussion of why someone uh, could and should be monetizing their newsletter via written content, uh, the different frames of view from a publisher perspective, an advertiser perspective. So essentially content creators have plenty of different mediums of how they can build their audiences and share their content. Duh, there's blogs, YouTube, social media, radio, and then there's newsletters essentially. So newsletter monetization is just another way of monetizing your audience. At its simplest form, you're matching content creators with advertisers whose product have a good fit to the content that that prospective customer is consuming. So if you're writing a newsletter about gardening, uh, advertisers that sell gardening products are going to want to get in front of that newsletter. Um, Why does it work similar to native advertising? It works in a way because a consumer is hopefully looking to consume, you know, content that enriches or informs them on a certain topic. And then the advertiser is able to insert their ads within that content. So someone, you know, different than a YouTube ad where you're seeing the ad at the start of the video, knowing it's an ad, this content is supposed to kind of, well, I guess it is somewhat similar to a YouTube ad. It'd be like a YouTube ad mid-roll yeah. where it's in the middle of content. I think there's five things we want to just emphasize here, and then we can jump into the uh, next <clears throat> sections of this. But um, five things that you definitely want to stay away from uh, in any sort of newsletter is bad or spammy ads. Too many ads with too little content. You have to have a good amount of content for each ad. Um, being constantly booked up, aka not charging enough for your ad spots. List stagnation, that just means no list growth. If you have, if you're feeding the same consumers, the same subscribers content each week and it's not growing, you're going to lose subscribers slowly and your list is going to deteriorate. And then lastly is just bad ESP habits, not uh, not segmenting your lists, um, sending to dead emails, things like that can get you uh, thrown in ESP jail real quick. Yep. Jumping in now, what? I think we're caught up. So, what we wanted to talk about this week, and I guess recapping what we talked about last week, is like what is uh, newsletter monetization, why it works. Now you're at a point where you found your niche, you've acquired an itch to write content, you found advertisers who want to reach your audience, everything's going well, and you've began selling paid ads. So now what? How do you grow your audiences, competing for inbox relevancy with others in your niche, and maintain that engaged subscriber base that are gonna keep advertisers coming to you and keep other people wanting to subscribe to you? 
And if you're at this point, you probably are close to a thousand subscribers, if not more. It's hard to get charged uh, ad dollars on less subscribers just due to open and click-through rates, but um, that's probably where you're at. So we'll jump into paid acquisition. I think this is one of the easiest ways to start building your list. It definitely does uh, come with a cost. However, it's should be one-to-one -one comparative to dollars going in to list growth coming out, whereas other efforts, you might not see them immediately like we'll talk about, but paid media acquisition, that means leveraging paid advertising on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, native, uh, you know, you name it, where you can buy ads, serving ads to promote your newsletter. Um, you're serving them to target prospects in a niche related to your newsletter and spending to get them a subscriber. So we ran a lot of financial media newsletters or we helped grow a lot of financial media newsletters. So we were running ads to people interested in financial news or trading and stock market, um, people that were active users of different trading brokers, putting ads in front of them and telling them, hey, there's this new newsletter. Here's XYZ, you know, introduce the USP of your newsletter, why people should subscribe to it comparative to others, and then prompting a call to action to actually subscribe. Yeah, I think the biggest question here, probably most newsletter <clears throat> writers have is how much is it going to cost me for a new subscriber? Um, that's going to change depending on the niche you're in. For finance, mm -hmm. it tends to be more expensive than um, niches like survival or um, it just depends, right? There's no real answer. It's all niche based. So Yeah, and there's different methods of what ad and what you're going to serve to people. There's uh, We've done both different methods or plenty of different methods in the past where there's the straightforward approach of saying, running an ad that says, hey, here's my newsletter, sign up to the newsletter. That's one approach. Another approach that works a little better at getting a cheaper lead because you're getting instant gratification from a prospect is, hey, I have this new free report about this niche and this topic. Sign up to get this new free report. You're going to want all this information. Oh, by the way, there's this newsletter that we're going to be sending you every week. Uh, there's pros and cons to both. The pros of the free report is you're usually getting a cheaper lead. The cons are people are not innately or inherently signing up for the newsletter. So you might get a lower response out of that. And then on the flip side, pros and cons of running ads that talk about a newsletter, the cons are it's going to be more expensive, but people are directly signing up for this newsletter. So there, so there should be no confusion when you start sending it. I think, yeah. I mean, anytime we've launched ads, I think testing both is the right way to go about it first. Um, inherently, I lean towards the newsletter opt-in just because that is the main primary driver of most of their businesses. Um, but it does you know, increase uh, CPLs quite a bit. So I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think I agree because if you want to grow the thing and have the thing make money, then have people who want the thing. Yeah. There's backdoor ways of doing it. So add an ad agency. Um, you know, if we're getting pressure to generate leads at a certain CPL, that's when you get really creative at generating those leads. But then you do need to think about the down funnel KPIs of open rates and engagement rates of these people into a newsletter. So um, it's push and pull. At the end of the day, it's all a math game. I, within your niche, I could be completely wrong. And you're selling gardening, a gardening report for 2022. And the people that opt into that are really good email subscribers. I need that. Yeah, yeah, you do, <laughs> dude, for sure. 
The next kind of step in the evolution of paid acquisition is monetizing those leads immediately. Right now we're talking about generating leads for your newsletter, right? And then you're going to send ads on whatever frequent basis, could be once a week, twice a week, could be once a month. Those potential new subscribers and leads that you're paying for every day are getting pockets here and there to be monetized and make your money back. However, if you're running a marketing funnel to monetize them immediately after opting in, you're hedging against that lead cost and your ROI quicker. So that can be done through co-reg placements, which are related advertisers in that niche who are paying to get people to opt in. So you, there's tons of other co-reg in natural life, not just, you know, finance newsletters you'll see it on usps um you know fedex there's a lot of like click to add on this additional offer once you're going through a process it's the same airlines kind of thing. Airlines, airlines are the biggest thing right now for yeah. co-reg it's like oh you buy your flight you check out travel insurance one more thing one more checkbox for insurance even after that there's like another checkbox wait do you want to upgrade again yeah this is literally the same thing so in our example of a gardening newsletter basically send people an ad for a gardening report they opt in for the report on the next page. It's not just a, all right, thanks. See you later. It's going to be a, Hey, in the meantime, you know, before we send you your email confirmation, check out these offers from these other gardening companies. And then if people decide to opt in you as an advertiser buying these ads and as a publisher with this newsletter, you're going to get, you're going to get paid out per opt-in on those co-reg offers. Yeah. Co-reg, there's, you know, different self-service type platforms for it. Uh, there's, you can also, I think the best co-reg is when you're doing it direct, meaning, you know, you're specifically picking those offers or, or advertisers to share your leads with. You are essentially sharing this lead, so you don't want to share it with someone who's just going to spam and destroy that lead and give your company bad reputation. Yeah, that's but. true because what's going to happen immediately after they opt into your thing, if they immediately opt into this co-reg, they're likely going to get an email from both you and this co-reg. Yeah. And if they so, opt into three co-reg offers, then they're going to get four welcome emails. And at the end of the day, a lot of this funnel is facing as your brand. So they're going to associate all this junk that they're being sent as your brand. Again, all a math game, because at the end of the day, you could be making like two bucks a lead on co-reg. And if you're spending $4 a lead to generate that lead, you're you know reducing your lead cost by half, which is great. But there are a bunch of other factors that come into play. Um, there's also post-reg offers. So it's offers with more intent based into them. So it's at, if, if they get to the end of a courage offer after they click the check boxes to add this other stuff to their cart or whatever, and they get to the next page, you can have a more kind of robust, dedicated page uh, bought out by an advertiser who wants to pay a premium for that full dedicated ad. It's another way you can monetize. I guess now you want to get into like onboarding email yeah. welcome series. Yeah, so, I think it, at the end of the day, you can add as many steps as you want to mm -hmm. your typical, you know, funnel when you're generating this lead. But I think two steps, co-reg, post-reg are super easy. After that, it does just get down funnel almost too far. Um, so the next step would be your welcome email series. Yeah, this is one of the most crucial steps because you spent money to get this person onto your list. You've potentially made money back on this person. And at the end of the day, you want this subscriber to be aware of you, to look forward to getting emails from you, and to be an active engager in your list, in your newsletter that you're going to be sending. That first email is life or death for that subscriber. Yeah, He can either choose, he's going to look at that first email and say, wow, this is super interesting. I think I'm going to be a continuous subscriber. Or he's going to look at it and be like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, and Or wow, these guys are annoying. Yeah. Or 
wow, that isn't what I thought this would be at all. And it's life or death. And it's also probably the highest open rate you're going to see from this um, subscriber or from your series is going to be that first email. This is your quote unquote first impression. Um, So what we're talking about with an onboarding series is once someone opts in to your newsletter, you should be sending a series of emails that introduces who you are and why they should give an F about opening up further emails from you. So it's, hi, I'm gardening report 2022. We send out weekly emails that include this, this, and that. You're going to love this because because we're the best in the industry and blah, 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 blah. And then extending that series out as far as it makes sense. You don't necessarily want a 20 email series. Usually the sweet spots between three and seven emails, depending on how much content and value you're gonna give to your subscriber. And that's probably the most important thing is value. You're not just sending emails to send emails, introduce yourself, but also show why you are valuable. In this email, in these first few emails, I think it's important to come from a person to person perspective. You're talking to that new subscriber and it's not coming from some sort of uh, high up brand voice. You're talking to them like they're a person, like they just joined your crew. Um, That helps relate a lot, so. Yeah, so that's in a nutshell, the end of the paid acquisition funnel because after they get to the end of the onboarding series they're essentially in the group of the list that should be getting your frequent newsletters and paid ads so that's you know soup to nuts buying the ad to get someone on your list indoctrinating them and now they're on your list there's a few other ways to grow your list one in here that we want to talk about is listful uh, list swapping which is exactly what it sounds like um, swapping or sharing sends with another similar aligned newsletter so gardening report 2022 is doing a send for flowers 2022 and yeah. vice versa exactly list swapping is a great way to grow the list without having an acquisition cost because essentially you're just exchanging some of your leads with some of another newsletter list leads not in the sense that you're literally throwing them 500 leads and they're giving you 500 back it's usually still it's in an email out of each list and whoever subscribes then gets added to that new list Yeah. And be careful with who you swap with, because again, your reputation and words on the line, if you have a great reputation and you're promoting someone who does not, then that's going to come back on you and vice versa. Um, It's really interesting because they're starting to do this a lot with like within podcasting where there's podcast ads talking about other podcasts. It's the same exact thing. I think that some people look down on list swapping, but at the end of the day, people are only interested in, in a few topics, right? So, for example, one person might be interested in sports and crypto. They're not just going to subscribe to one crypto newsletter or one sports newsletter. They're going to subscribe to five to ten of each, right? I always thought that was hilarious working at the agency we're at. And it's great because you want to take pride in your newsletter. You want to feel like you're the best thing and everyone just wants you. But at the end of the day, it's not true. Yeah. Like, you might be unique and you might think that you are the best, but you I can would build. guarantee that 99% of your list is subscribed to your competitors. Yeah, and so. you can build raving fans, right? That's that 1% mm-hmm. that might be heavily focused on your newsletter. But for the most part, they're general subscribers, and they're going to be subscribed to many other newsletters inside that same niche. Yeah, who just watches like 60 there's probably a lot of people that just watch 60 minutes and that's all the tv they watch but like who just watches one channel of tv and that's it like no one so one thing not in here but is kind of got popularized and big through i think morning brew was the referral system that they set up yeah where if you have a newsletter and you have the ability to do some kind of like low friction low cost gifts to people that refer 
friends to the newsletter. That's a great way to grow your list for free. Essentially, you just need to have some sort of robust CRM where you can keep track of how many subscribers are referring how many people. And word of mouth, again, is still one of the best tools for marketing that exists today. You're not going to beat it. So if you want a strong subscriber, or if you want to you want to grow your list with more strong subscribers, it's great to have your already you know engaged raving fans recommending other people. And I love the referral program. I think you know Morning Brew crushed it with that. I forget their exact numbers, but at some point they were having a super high percent of their new subscribers coming in strictly from referrals. Um, the best part about that is like you know people tend to hang out with people like them with similar ideas, similar beliefs, and so it's going to be a really strong subscriber if it's referred by someone who's already on that list. Um, common ways to do that, guides, ebooks, something that they can give away for free. Tacky stuff too. They've done stickers, a hat for like yeah, referring merch, 10 people. Refer 10 people for- and work that out. Work your math. If you know each email subscriber is worth $1 and someone subs 10 people, well, that's $10 worth, worth of merch that you can give away. So. Dude, nice math right there. That was yeah, quick. I'm a math uh, expert. <laughs> math guy. Calculus. Any other ways that we want to talk about in terms of like growing your list? Hmm. Outside of paid acquisition, list swapping. No, I mean, I think there's obvious ways, but like organic, organic growth, right? Yeah. There's ways you can grow through different um, newsletter platforms. For example, Substack has yep. Substack Marketplace um, where you can go and, and look at other newsletters. Um so, but I think those are the, the key ones that we've already gone over. Cool. I guess in here we're talking, uh, the next thing written down is the differences in some newsletters, depending on how dense you want to make it. At the end of the day, um, it is a toll to write these newsletters if you want to have valuable content that are going to keep, keep people opening. What we've done in the past just to provide news updates for a certain newsletters is leverage RSS feeds, which tap into like Google news feeds or other sources that have open source RSS feeds that provide updates on news. There's a lot of kind of cool little hacks and automations to be able to pull news from an RSS feed and deliver it into an email ESP with minimal um, oversight on your end. I think it's, um, you can do it directly inside of MailChimp and Active Campaign now. We've set up complex Zapiers in the past to do this for us, but depending on how dense you want your content to be, or if you're really just looking to build up a list to monetize and want to provide low friction, or I guess low requirement, low low overhead with just quick news updates, you can do RSS feeds. Yeah, I think you're just, you're weighing kind of the value of content versus uh, work here, right? Less work, RSS feed, but obviously worse content. So um, you need both in uh, a newsletter a lot of times, right? You need to be efficient. And sometimes uh, maybe that means one unique piece of content a week. Maybe that means three unique pieces and the rest RSS feed. At the same time, you don't have to be doing both. You know, you don't need to be sending daily newsletters, so... Yep. And then the last thing I want to touch on before we wrap up is tracking and reporting. It might not seem like a necessity to grow your list and grow your revenue, but it's going to help you from losing revenue, essentially. (laughs) So it's important in multiple different ways to understand how your audience is reacting to what you were sending and how they're just reacting to the content, regardless if it's ads or newsletter. You know, first of all, is your audience adequately valued with how it's being sold? Are you undervaluing 
you're like, are you getting a ton of opens and clicks on some of your CPM sends? If you are, then you might want to switch to something more favorable to you. And then on the flip side, if you're not booking out because you have yourself priced too high, take a look in the mirror, look at your list performance and see, should you be, you know, receiving a higher payout for some of your sends or do you have really low engagement? And I think there's a few like important numbers to consider here. One is your CAC, your customer acquisition cost. The other is the lifetime value of a subscriber right? Those need to be different numbers. Your lifetime value has to be higher than your CAC in order for you to be profitable newsletter. Um, there's other things, right? You could do like, what's the newsletter subscribe to, subscriber worth to you in the first 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, and build it out from there. Obviously, if you don't have paid products, those subscribers aren't going to continue being worth a lot after that fact. But And it's better late than never. But if you can start with a really robust segmentation and tagging of how you're sending newsletters, it's going to help you a ton. Look at how your ESP does reporting. If you're able to pull reports on sends according to tags or according to subject lines or even like content, that's great. If not, be very deliberate with how you're structuring the naming of your emails. For instance, if you're sending to your most engaged list first, make sure you're calling all those email titles engaged, not the subject lines, but the titles. And so when you go to pull reports, you can actually pull reports to see how your um, newsletters are performing in terms of opens and clicks to the different segments you're sending to. And then also content too. If you're sending an ad, make sure it's called an ad and not called a newsletter so that you can pull the same idea pull reports to see the performance of your list responding to ads versus responding to newsletters. If you want to get more niche down, you can do types of ads. If you're sending a crypto ad versus if you're sending um, you know, some real estate investing ad, make sure they're labeled separately. And this is good because it just gives you a deeper understanding of what your audience wants to read and it can pro- provide a feedback loop into your actual content development. That's a wrap. I think that's about it. Quick TLDR. That was a lot. That was so longer than I thought this episode would be, but it's a good little, uh, it's a good little lesson in paid acquisition for your newsletter once you understand how to start monetizing it and you're motivated to grow it. So newsletter monetization is an effective way to generate revenue by offering exposure to the audiences you've built in a certain niche with advertisers who match well with that content. However, if done poorly, this can lead to you bastardizing your list or undervaluing the potential of your audience. And that's all she wrote, folks. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, Next week, I think we're going to be talking about uh, one of the brands that we've been teasing about uh, being a new acquisition. So look out for that. Go ahead, follow us on socials where we're posting clips and different content outside of this podcast related to what we're doing at Built in Public on Instagram and TikTok. And we will see you guys next week.